Hey guys, welcome back to another episode on the Corner Flag Talk podcast. <coughs> Only have a solo water bad and it go down any wrong throat, the wrong passage. Yeah. We just call that. We just call the other passage. Come now, all the Dubai. Um, yeah, I, I, I really go for win by. Is it your win by? Yeah, I feel it's like your win by. Yeah, why was he like the proper for your win by? I literally just swallow water bad as he's about to start and all. <laughs> What's up, guys? I hope everybody is doing well. Um, I would like to say that I did not mention this yet, and we will do a giveaway because we have always done one. We had our sixth anniversary last week, actually, and we didn't even record. I was honestly, I was really busy and just didn't get any time. But thank you for being here with us on this journey. We really do feel all the love and the support from you guys. And a lot of y'all know kind of the story of how Corner Flag has grown. It was me and Virgil alone in the beginning. And and our brethren brought a kitchen who was a DJ. Big up Aaron and Tyrell one time. And, you know, here we are. A lot bigger. A lot more people. Like we also have Daniel here. um, Who I will introduce in a minute. And so, yeah. Just thank you guys always for your support. We love y'all. We appreciate every share, every post interaction, every listen, every play, every everything, every live event that we've done. We really appreciate you guys so much. So, as I said, I have Virgil here with me. Who's he? It's been long, isn't it? We've been doing yeah. this for a while, isn't it? For real, isn't it? What's good? Hey, well, yeah. I, I had I had best, I had best, fun, I had best football in weeks, but... Oh, you know, I thought this week was great. I thought this week yeah, was you know, great. We'll get, we'll get into that. And I also have Pat with me. Pat, what's he good, my guy? Yeah, man, I good. I good. You've also been here a while. You know, we went through the whole FPL period, um, oh, yeah. which I would like to bring back at some point. Yeah? I would like yeah. to start about doing some FPL stuff because it was fun. Yeah. Um, although this week has so far gone terribly for me. I brought in Iwoni and he blanked today. And for Oof. some reason, people still had Watkins. Like, what are you still doing with Watkins? Yeah, right. Yeah, that was so annoying. Anyway, but if you pull that whole lot, can I get through? Because it was like, yeah, like no. twelve returns every week. Five returns, true, eh? Correct. Um, so yeah, guys, we here to talk about the latest in football. Uh, because we didn't talk last week, we will do like some rough talk on, on like you know, if your team already has played twice, including last week and this week, we could like talk more in a general consensus. But obviously, we'll start with this week's fixtures. I cannot go back. If they need be. Um, this should end up on YouTube. Because we actually have been getting stuff on YouTube. So you all will get to see. That I am wearing this glorious jersey. With none other than. Cole scorer. Kai Havertz on the back of it. And you can get yours too. At the kit pundit. Very shameless plug. But here we are. Uh, but no better place to start this weekend. Than to start with what was the big game. Before that though. My biggest issue this season has been the Premier League schedule. Eh? It has been terrible. Why it is that there's one game on a Sunday, and with all due respect to them, why is it Sheffield and, and Brentford? No, Brentford and, and Nottingham Forest. Like, that's yeah. terrible. Why Why is that my Sunday? 
that, that should never be my... And then you have Chelsea playing on Monday. And you have all of United, City and Arsenal playing at the same time. I like, I don't know about all of you, but like, I have felt like most of the prime slots so far this season have gone to um, Newcastle. And Newcastle was getting all the prime spots so far this season. All the 12-30 slots, I think. To be played, some of the yeah, most bro. boring games this season. Except for last week, when they beat Sheffield. Anyway, Liverpool versus Spurs, guys. There's a ton of talking points that come out of this game. But before we get into the nitty-gritty, I will allow you guys to give like an overarching view of the game. So, Virgil, what are you about the game? I feel, like, I feel like the game is what we expected, honestly, because this new Spurs team... The new Spurs team really is exciting to watch because, you know, Ange had them playing some real good football now. I know... This un- the unlikely, unlikely, um, you know, unlikely player with, with, with Charlotte when they're you not know, actually providing a good bit of good bit of energy towards the team. But you know, come against come against a Liverpool side that's still although people still looking at this Liverpool side as a very as not hundred percent not fully there yet, still feel like there's still some work to do with this Liverpool team. They really, you know, they still they still performing well and it really shows at the table. So when these two these two teams came up against each other, you know, expected something big. And honestly, yeah. the, game didn't disapp- the game didn't disappoint. And one thing you would say about Spurs, and you had to give credit to them, I felt like other seasons before, they would go up against Liverpool and they would, they would have this kind of fear, fear about them. They would feel like, you know, they will still feel that, you know, Liverpool is a side that's, that's bigger than them, that could always outclass them. But I feel like Spurs come in this game already. I feel like even when it, when it ended up being um, one all, even even before even before the... Um, mm-hmm. Even for the second red, okay? that other thing, other crazy bit, crazy bit of scene that was going on. I feel like from just the early minutes, uh, from when Spurs scored our first goal, I felt that Spurs was the Spurs felt like the likely, the likely out of the two to leave with all three points. And well, coming down to what 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 happened, what happened at the end, you know, they ended up getting it, getting it from our from our own goal or off off Matip, but. You know, you had to win or you had to win. So you can't, you can't really fight him. Fight really? Right. So I credit to Spurs. I'm not just credit to them, but credit to Ange, what he's doing with that with the Spurs team, honestly. Patrick, what was your thoughts about the game, bro? I thought it was a really exciting game. Um, but one, one like my, my biggest talking point coming out of the game was that I think Liverpool have successfully went ahead and just restarted the project. Like, they look a whole lot better than they did last season, even season before, I would, I, in my opinion. Um, I think this season really made me realize, too, that um, I was I was right about Mane, then I was wrong about him, and now it looked like I right again. When I used to say, that guy is not all that, and then he left, Salah kind of was a little bit shaky, and then I was like, mm, maybe, maybe Mane really was the glue holding everything together. And now I realize he actually wasn't. Salah is is that guy, you know, man is over in the in the money league right now. Um, but anyway, I just, I just mm-hmm. have, to, have to get that in there, you know. Um, didn't make it at Bayern also. Bayern, the place where all strikers succeed. Mane did go there and play centre forward. But now, before I go off on a tangent, I'm going to bring it back to, to reality now. Mane is over there in the, in the um, Saudi league though. Just went out there. Mm-hmm. Um, Salah is over here. Doing um we, we like a goal or an assist every week. Every year. Um mm-hmm. I think Spurs successfully, for the first time in twelve games, 
did not concede to Salah. So that was that was a nice little plus for Spurs. Okay. Because before that, mm-hmm. it was 12 games in a row that Salah had scored or assisted against them. So, And he probably should have on the day. I don't even think the ass was offside. But again, I'll, well, I'll we'll come put to that on to, to the referee. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, look, on a more serious note, I honestly think um, Liverpool are much stronger than I was giving them credit for. I mean, as Virgil correctly said, it shows in the table, but to go down to 10 men and make it look like it was still 11 v 11, um, that is one of two things. Either Liverpool are still devastating on the counter, or we stand to see some gaps in, in our system, because I, I was real surprised how uh, a box four of Saab Suma and the two centre-backs, Van de Ven and, and, and Argentine boy, um, how, how they let like a, 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 a 10-man Liverpool team counter them like so much. And um, mm-hmm. I really think Liverpool was a little bit unlucky to score from, from one or two of those counters. It came down to a little poor decisions slash weird offside calls so on and so forth. But but Liverpool is is a, a, a force to be reckoned with this season. Um, yeah, I'm not going to talk about yeah. Spurs because we all know how, how good they look. So, so yeah, all, all credit to Ange and what he's done with the team. It's, it's been really, really, um, really bright. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of resonate both with both of what y'all are saying. Like, we have seen good things from Spurs so far, right? But, like, this actually was a game where I came up with some concerns then, you know, because... They, like you rightfully said, right? They went down to 10 men, as in Liverpool did, and it felt like if it still was very even. And in fact, I actually thought for a large part of the game, it felt like if Liverpool was still the one with the impetus to go forward and take the game and lead, you know? And I think that that shows that, and I don't mean this in a criticism, but rather that we need to remember that where Spurs are with Ange, is we have said this before. It's a completely new concept to like the last three or four coaches that Spurs have had. And with that being said, it is a learning curve for a lot of these players, right? So they will not be 100% on it all the time. There will be lapses in concentration. And even in all the good we've seen from them so far this season, we've can all, I think, agree that we've seen holes in the defense thus far. You know, it is not hard for good, competent teams to create goal-scoring opportunities against them. And so far, we've seen them come out of three big games with two wins and a draw, right? Uh, Arsenal, uh, Tottenham, not Tottenham, Arsenal, Liverpool, and United. And I think when we watch all three games, we see a, a consistency, rather, in them getting results that the other team has not been finishing their good chances. Like, we all know in that United game back then, they did not finish. The United did not finish any chances at all in that first half. But it was Rashford, it was Bruno, it was Garnacho, whoever it was. Liverpool again here, plus the controversial Lisa Jones, Arsenal, where Eddie missed, he is who missed in that 35-minute period. They started the game. And so they are riding their luck a bit in the back. But I think like if we throw it back a little bit to like Liverpool of 2016-17, before they get Virgil, before they even had to get Salah and Allison and these guys, they were like heavy metal in the sense of they would score five, concede three and four and them kind of thing. But mm-hmm. that could be a good enough recipe to get back in the Champions League. And that is what would be Spurs aim for this season. Would be to right. implement the style and to get to the Champions League football. Um, controversial decisions, guys. Liverpool had two red cards. The first one, 
Do you guys think it was our red card on Curtis Jones? No. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think that that was our red card. So, I would say that by unfortunately, because I don't think it should be red. Unfortunately, by like the textbook of the game, yeah, it could. It is red in the sense that his boot is above the ball and is going into the opposition shin, right? But I have two issues with this. One, where is he supposed to put his foot, bro? Like, they are both evenly contesting for the ball. Secondly, on review, anything slowed down looks terrible. And I have a serious issue with us reviewing anything outside of offside in slow-mo. Because football is not played in slow-mo. I I generally think, like, when you are reviewing these decisions, you review them in real time. Because that is the time these players have to react to things and to react and to change and to, and to move and whatnot. Like, anytime you slow down a handball, guys, it will look terrible. Anytime. Right. It will always look intentional. Like, and that slow-mo is not the amount of time a player has to react. I don't know how you all feel about that, but I, I have a very strong feeling against slowing down replays for that. Um, but I think it was harsh on Curtis, and the irony is um, I had sent Patek a little article this week or Treadles on Twitter on how Curtis Jones has been growing in importance for Liverpool mm-hmm. ever since the 7-0 against United earlier this year. Very unfortunate. So, Jota now, accumulation of two yellow cards, guys. Do you think it was justified for him to be sent off? Well, yeah. And yeah. the second thing was a yellow for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I, I feel like I feel like in, so, in a game like yeah, in a game like that, you can't really lose your head like like that. And Jota actually did that. Yes, that and I think Jota was very um Im- immature and unprofessional to have gone in that second time, knowing you just get a yellow. That right. is that real failure we here do. However, the first one, I don't know if all you remember, Arsenal had lost to Wolves a few years back, and um David Luiz, I guess, sent off. Mm-hmm. For touching him on back of his foot with using David Louis' knee and just gi- gently brushed him on. And he, I guess, sent off for that. And it was a penalty. And, like, and I just think, like, bro, again, where you expect players to go in those situations to card him for that first one? Mm-hmm. I, I, I find the card for the first one kind of harsh. I don't know if you all well, think that is harsh. Uh, I think it was harsh in isolation, but sometimes you have to look at the whole context of the game. Um, a couple of fouls might build up into somebody getting a shitty yellow card, if, if you understand what right. I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like, two, three fouls that goes uncarded, and the ref would have in the back of his right. mind, okay, I need to give a card in this next one to calm the game down. Unfortunately, that Jota mm. get that one. So in isolation, probably not a yellow, but my whole thing is that whether the first one was a yellow, wasn't a yellow, whatever, that doesn't really matter because once you get a second yellow, you they do it really have nothing you could you could yeah say to justify that be... he should not have gotten that second yellow because it was it was second yeah. time it was a yellow and that was all him and he yes and he should not have lose his head the way he did to slide in for that second one right so we that's two decisions we had so far right and both of them even if we agree or we don't those things are still like subjective calls that mm-hmm. like you kind of leave it up to the discretionary referee. However, offside is not subjective. And at the time, Luis Diaz, I think this was right after Curtis Jones had got sent off, right? Luis Diaz mm-hmm. had scored. And they showed a replay freeze frame with no lines drawn. 
it yeah. has been released since then that that was an error and he was on side. The PGMOL has released that an apology because apparently that's what points nowadays. And they also said that what had happened was the VAR official thought that the on-field decision was that it was given as onside. So his response was correct decision, no change required to the VAR, oh, okay. to the on-field official. And yeah. therefore the on-field official given it as offside. So yeah. well, okay, it was offside, hence offside. And uh, I, I can't lie, I think that is embarrassing for the PGM well. And it's not the first time they've done something like this. Uh, this happened to us last year against Brentford when Brentford goal was offside and they forgot to draw a line. And that is so shambolic, man. And I mean, we talk about fine margins here, right? People think I'm fine for that, what... to be honest. And the thing like is, I have said... Shouldn't be in such a... Go ahead. Yeah, no, but you are right. Because I have said over and over that refereeing in this sport is the only position where the person never pays for their mistakes. If a player performs poorly, they are dropped, possibly sold. If a coach performs poorly, they are sacked. But yeah. officials who have the authority in the game, they don't face any consequences. They screw yeah. a team out of points. What do they do? They get a little fine. They referee again next week. They don't actually have any real consequences to their jobs. And so I'm not saying fire every official that makes a bad call. However, I believe that they would they, it needs to have a lot more jeopardy or we start to replace officials. Because my other thing is, if we be real, the best players in the Premier League is players like Salah, Haaland. I guess you could maybe say De Bruyne. The best coaches in the league is Pep, is Jürgen Klopp. <laughs> Is Arteta is is who was good? Somebody give my next good name now. Um, was he my name? The Zerbi, right? My point is, all these players are foreigners, right? That being said, and the coaches are foreigners. Why it is we don't have foreign referees then? Because clearly the English ones aren't doing good enough, and it's not a question of implementing technology. Is that these men just are incompetent, and they are showing incompetency. Yeah, I mean, I think that 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 is that that is all some some real good points. Um, I don't know why it is that the the FA against hiring outside officials. I honestly don't know what mm. what the reason could possibly be, but um, but yeah, man, I have a serious problem against against people messing up simple calls like that because that's literally just a lapse of concentration. He was probably on his phone or something or mentally just doze off to yeah. something mm-hmm. his wife tell him mm-hmm. in the morning or whatever. And he literally like mess up our team from possibly getting three points because that would have been 1-0, you know? It's a big yep. difference mm-hmm. from going 1-0 the other way, you know? Um, mm-hmm. He should honestly lose his job. I don't even care who it is because that's such a big lapse. People just lose their jobs for less in regular work. So, mm-hmm. John, imagine you there in Pro Man, right? And you make a mistake one day and order... I don't know, $500,000 worth of the wrong material. Would you not get mm-hmm. fired? And you would care complain mm-hmm. if they fire you, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you would just yeah, have to hold that. Imagine if you just slap an apology and then, and then come, come to you next day. That, uh, imagine. Imagine. 
and, and points is, in the prem worth a lot of money dog and you know what i genuinely believe so like there's a rule that apart I, i'm not sure if it's a rule but it's more like um an accepted practice that um the team that has benefited if they agree to a replay that the game can be replayed allegedly right that's that's a thing mm-hmm. i don't think that should be the case no i think that in case it's like in any game that has had a defining call to this magnitude it should mm-hmm. be up for replay i as in it that should happen that it is not a question of if one team's allowed it should happen because it is unfair to both teams i agree because now you're gonna have to exhaust the extra game and whatever whatever and, and, it might, and if you, you cannot get back players that might have been injured in that game or anything like that every mm-hmm. call that made in that game is scrapped you do over that game in which a game where the PGM or L has to reach the point that they have to apologize. Like a that bad enough that they have to apologize. It's not even like if it was just the red cards, even if I don't agree with them, we could still chalk it up to subjectivity. This is not subjectivity. Yeah. This is incompetence. Right. At the highest level of the game, and the league that we claim is the best is incompetence. And if that is the level, then we aren't actually at the level we claim to be at then. The next issue is, is that there was a very real chance for the Premier League to implement last season's off-site technology in, that was in the Champions League. The semi-automated one. Yeah. Not yeah. a single team had a problem with that. In fact, everybody liked it. It was seamless, it took very little time, and it was accurate. They chose not to implement that here. Uh-huh. Why? I mean, I don't know why. It could be a money decision. I assume and that implementing is, a whole new thing is going to be very expensive. People are going to lose jobs. But, other people are going to get jobs. Yeah, it could be. It could just be a political decision. Though. You're looking at plenty of backroom staff losing their jobs. And then you mm. had to hire a lot of new staff. People are trained with AI rather than just looking at freaking TV. And um, and it's it going to be real expensive to, to, to buy that system. And who knows what's going on in the backroom. Whoever deal with this one and that one. And, mm. I mean, po- politics are in, involved everywhere. And, and, but politics is the right term because what I was going to say is that like this is what does open the door for people to accuse the Premier League of engaging in match fixing and corruption because that is something that you are taking out of the human element. Again, we can't scratch that up to subjectivity anymore. We are now engaging in black and white. And like I have said this multiple times that I like for example, I like we'll talk about Arsenal in a bit, right? But like we drew last week and Honestly, I wasn't like even sad. Like I mean, I was like upset that we lost. Like, well, drop points, but like to say like I was like vexed or anything, I wasn't because we lost on the merits of the game, and I could live with that. I could live with that my players messed up, my coach messed up, and that I could live with. The things that has upset me is when. You now remove the outcome of a game from the 22 people on the pitch. That is what does upset me. And i rather win or lose there. You know, it is all funny when yeah. your side benefit from a, a bad call. But i rather lose that sense of ha 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 ha. Mm-hmm. At the expense of never having to experience being on the bad end of a bad call. And I could yeah. live and die by whatever the men do on the field. Uh, look, I, I know that 
And there's no way to fully eliminate it, you know. They never will be. Because at the end of the day, we're not going to get robots. At least, not, at least I don't think in the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. To be referees, right? And the, even at that point, it's still never going to be 100% correct. Because there's no way that you could, at least I don't think there's a way to program anything. To calculate every angle in which anybody could ever touch anybody that at the same time touch the ball or whatever, whatever, whatever. There still will be human elements in it. You still won't fully remove it. But I think they are making the referees, and, and only hear what I'm saying here, by avoiding to implement technology and remove human error as much as we can, they are making referees even bigger targets. Because the less responsibility you have is the less they can make errors and the less they will be blamed. We leave them with room to mess up, and they are messing up. I am so sorry, but they are messing up, and they will continue to be at the forefront of these discussions. And so now, we are sitting here. The three of us are sitting here. We're doing this football podcasting for a little while now. And instead of talking about the fact that Son shows up big again, Madison was pretty good in my opinion. A fantastic ball. Um, Sozo Bly, when they went up man down, ran like hell in that midfield and actually impressed me a ton. Salah has been carrying this side. Virgil, to me, felt like if he was back to his best today since he had got an injury. Like, he felt supreme. And yet we are here 25 minutes into this pod. And we have dominated this talk about referees. And that well, is when we, we are going wrong. That is when we are going wrong. That a game between two top four, possibly title contenders conversation, instead of talking about the game and the players and the tactics, we are sitting here talking about the referees. That being said... I really did think Virgil was fantastic today, by the way. I think it was a case of he probably just had to like get accustomed to his body as he get older and you know doesn't have the same pace that he had before. But he was immense today. And I, I actually have thought he has been pretty good this season outside of that Newcastle game where he obviously paid the price with had a suspension, served it, and came back pretty well. Um Gakbo got injured. Like no Liverpool. Have like no real positives to come out of this game with it. You know, they got two men suspended. Yeah. Gapo looked like he tweaked his knee pretty bad. They obviously lost the points in a, a terrible way. Um Yeah, boy. Can I say one thing about Liverpool though? Is that like I do think that if Liverpool had a little bit more depth than an actual DM, I would have had Liverpool in the title conversation. And come February, they might very well be in it. And they could beat it over Arsenal. I, I wasn't seeing this as Arsenal fan, but as a watch of the game. I still think that Liverpool, even when it is 11 v 11, even with all the intensity that they have, they are really reliant on last ditch interventions and humongous saves from Allison mm. to stop them from conceding at times. And mm. I think that should be a concern. And this is them in the current iteration, by the way. This is not when Trent comes back and you lose Gomez at right back and you're going to have a more attacking player there. So therefore, there'll be more space for oppositions to attack here. And I think that might be the only reservation I have with Liverpool in projecting them being still part of the top two come February. Was all the thoughts on that. 
Well, well, okay, you're saying for them. Everything, everything that I was saying with schools before, because that, 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 part, that part of the season you mentioned is, is critical. That part come February. Come February. I feel like, and I say the thing is, I might, I might get, 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 a, get a diff, this different vibe, different vibe of, of, of Liverpool team, but I feel like looking at the, I honestly feel like just looking at the both teams, that time come February, I don't know, I feel like the one I, I feel like I'll put out a lot more confidence in that might be, not just high, not just high up the table, but I feel like I, I like having a, a much consistent run of home. I had to give it to Spurs over Liverpool, you know, on anything like, like, like just, 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 just looking at looking at the two teams, and I don't know because because with Spurs, Spurs and Spurs in no competition, right? No. Nope. So and I just feel I just feel like with with, with the with the team with the team that they have, I feel like team that they have, coach that they have, I feel like it's easier for them easier for them to to to, to manage games. Obviously, manage games obviously obviously better. I know you're focusing with like the other comp- other domestic competitions. But like right now with Liverpool and obviously obviously mentioned, we mentioned with the injuries, the injuries is a would be a would be a, a big factor not just for like not just in the in the future but obviously in the in the in the short term as well. But honestly, I don't know, I feel with how thing with how things go how things go in with, with Liverpool, because I, I mentioned what happened in this in this game, these things would be crucial for them for, for, for the runner game stuff. But don't get me wrong, I think they, I think I believe they have some manageable games, things Luton. So a, a lot of easy, uh, I know that was uh back to back to back runs of, of, of winnable games where they could where they could rack up their points. But just in the whole, I don't know I still I feel like I, I feel like I still need I still need some to analyze Liverpool a little, a little more. Don't get me wrong, they're playing good football, but I feel like between the two teams. At that time, at that time, I would be very surprised to see Spurs not, you know, not that, not that, not high up in the table. How do you feel, Patrick? About well, what I say about Liverpool and then what? Um, I think I would probably also give it to Spurs for like if I think this is a question of who have the more um sustainable system, right? Maybe sustainable mm-hmm. is the wrong way, but I can use it anyway. Um, and I think at the moment, Spurs does. I think Liverpool are still relying on key players within the system to kind of bring everything together. So, like, without without Van Dijk, Salah, and Alisson, I think everything comes crumbling down. Without any one of them. So, I'm not saying if you miss all three. I'm saying if you miss just one of them. Without Salah, the team has no creativity. And then without Van Dijk and Alisson... Hey, what's was like? He created it in a different way, though. So, I like, don't make chances. He just get the ball in the right areas, but he don't make chances. But Salah mm, makes the chances. Okay. Like, when, it, when you're looking at who's going to rack assists, I wouldn't be surprised if So was like end the season with, like, five assists. But Salah okay. is probably yeah. going to end with about 15 slash 20. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. he's yeah. the final yeah. ball player right now. And, and, and if you were to take him out, I don't think So was like could, could do that or will do that. Mm-hmm. It's just not his role, yeah. you know? Um... I think so was Lai is creative the same way McAllister was creative last season. It's like mm. they get the ball in the right places and then the wingers take over from there. Now they have mm. a very important role, but it's not it's not as important as Salah. 
if you understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I think I think Liverpool, um, not riding their luck, but they are lucky to have players like Salah, Van Dijk, Alisson, anything. Also, I think sometimes Klopp does make these weird decisions to just go without a DM. And to me, that's a weird decision for the type of football that Liverpool like to play. You're looking at a team that likes to gig and press. Kind of. I mean, they don't do it as much as they used to, but they in between a kind of gig and press slash mid-block. It's very weird, but whatever Klopp is trying to build, cool. But a lot of times you need an actual natural DM to add some shield mm-hmm. to your two centre-backs, especially if you're going to go with your um, your full-backs you know, going up. And this is a good mm-hmm. time to transition over to Postacoglu's team because he does something very similar to Klopp, except they leave a box um, back. So between mm-hmm. the two centre-backs and then you have Bissouma and... Uh, and Sa that protects the two centre backs and that allows the full backs to go. I think um that's something that Klopp could actually look at. Um because I think it's a successful way to stop counter attacks with that box. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. Spurs aren't really doing it well right now. But I figure it will click soon at some point that Bisuma and Star and Sa need to be a little bit more switched on defensively to um to, to, to cover space a little bit better because a lot of the time the, the space in front of them just gets occupied um, by, by the opponent and one of them should step. Anyway, I'm not going to get into all that football. Um, that being said, I, I think that Spurs have the, um, the more sustainable system. Both teams have excellent fixtures coming up, so both teams have very winnable fixtures um, in the near future, but I just think Spurs have a slightly more sustainable system. And one more thing that I'll add, which is out of the control of both teams, is that in terms of sustainability and consistency, Spurs can literally afford to start the same eleven every single week. And we know that that is not something that Liverpool will be able to do over the next two, three, four months because them players is just drop like flies. You're looking at injuries always to, um, to Joe Gomez is always injured, Matip in and out, Konate always, Alessandro. Plus that too, Alessandro spent about three, four, five games a season on injury. The only guy that really just don't get injured is Salah. Everybody else up for grabs. So you're looking at that inconsistencies and who you had to start as well. So yeah. that's a mm-hmm. problem too. I, I think that's a, a seriously overlooked problem. Cool. Fair enough. So, yeah. Moving it on. Um another team that lost two on this weekend was who that was, boy? Oh yeah, that was City. Uh Patrick Kiddis, right? Um and Barca has a loss for this season, eh? Nah. Yeah, well, they undefeated then. Oh yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Arsenal lost undefeated. Yeah. We haven't lost a game so far this season. <laughs> you know who has lost two games, though? It's Manchester yeah. City. <laughs> Virgil! Yeah. So, no Rodrino party, boy. I don't mean that. I just I just go to show the, the importance of our, you know. Correct, yeah? I So, before I let you go, into deep, right? Just quickly. Mm-hmm. Were you confused by the fact that he didn't start Calvin Phillips? Wait, like why he didn't start him? Yeah. Okay, I, I could I could get that, you know, because think about it. At this point, with Rodri out and you have, you know, good players that could play alongside him, because don't get me wrong. You know, if you play if you play a double pivot with Rodri and Calvin Phillips, you're really you're really going to be um sacrificing a lot, a lot more going forward, really. At this point, 
I trying to figure out what, what, what beef Pepper with Calvin, Calvin Phillips at this point because it's like I don't know what mm. else man could do. Calvin Phillips literally pay off the ref last week to get last week to get Rodri Rodri a, a red card, and still doing that, the man still can't get can't get a, a start. He did he did play uh, midweek and he did look impressive honestly, but you know for in a role like that, it's not really something that you, that you expected to start. Like he was he was impressive because of you know the lack of the lack of opportunities and the lack of of, of games we could have really based off of. So what we saw was just pretty mm. fresh, fresh to see, honestly. But yeah, for this, I really, I really don't know what what else you could do, you know. Um. Okay. So game wise, guys, everybody should know by now that Ruben Diaz is a clown and scored a one goal. Uh, after the... <laughs> because agendas must agend. Um, what do you get out of it from this guy? <laughs> what do you get out of it? Like, why do you um, hate him? Why? I don't hate him. Yeah. Dog, this is just like the same thing why I don't actually hate Bruno. It's just, I don't really like when people... In my perception, I, like, I, didn't, I, I am nobody in it. But yet, I am everybody. Um, I just think, like, he rated wrongly. That is all. Like, I think he's a good in player. What, in what way? I don't go so far. I, I, I think Ruben Diaz is a good player. Like, this is not even like how I think Bruno is completely misread, aren't they? I just think the man kind of rush. No, I don't actually think he did anything wrong this weekend. I genuinely was just clowning him. He could not yeah. do anything there. But yeah. I, I do think that he's a rush player. And I think, like, if he was playing, like, like seriously, no, I think if he was playing, like, for Liverpool, where they have a lot more defending to do, just by, you know, the actual style of play that they play, that he would have lose a little wire a little more often. Whereas a City, he doesn't actually face that much. So he doesn't get a chance to show a loose wire. Like, compared to how Laporte used to, like, shitty pants every time anybody with, a, like, a FIFA pace rating over 80 when he started running at him yeah. used to be. He's not that bad. But he have a little rashness in his game. And I, I, I genuinely do find, like, he likes to go to ground kind of fast. And that does worry me as a center. In a center. I don't know though because I I on the total opposite when it comes to looking at Diaz. I I nah, thought I that because yeah, last season I I I say he was the best centre back in the in the in the world, right? Be, I really huh? thought, yeah. Oh um, no, I, I also, agree with that. Yeah? I do because mm-hmm. he was genuinely the best in the world last year. I can say that. Did I just okay, have to the best in, in the world and also be overrated? How is that possible? Because like, best is. The word best is comparative. Whereas mm-hmm. how good somebody is is individual, if that makes sense. Okay, but we compare him to guys like Delict like, last season, Kim and Jay, Saliba, Gabriel. We still said we all said he was better than all of them, right? Yeah, but I also think like part of that is to do with the fact that one is the system he play in, and two the fact that they did achieve everything that he did achieve. I know, I don't worry, he, he did one hundred percent contribute to everything that they did achieve. He was mm-hmm. a vital cog to that. But like, I, I think they are center backs. I would take over him in building a system going forward. Like I still, I think that he is important to the way that City play. Mm-hmm. I still don't even think that he he's the best center back at City, and I I have maintained that. I still think John Stones is better than him. 
You know? I don't know. No, it's two very different roles more, that they play. Stones is more technical, I'll say that. For yeah. sure. And I don't know if he's a better <laughs> center back. Fair. That's, That's valid, you know? Yeah. Um, honestly, I would say, though, I say purely out of cloud in the man. He could not have I just have to ask the question because it's been a recurring team across, like, multiple years in and... Club Black from his first season. <laughs> And they're coming out my boy, fair, so I had to ask. That, then he used to do it a lot more too. I will never forget that game against Brighton, though. You know, I swear that man with Harry's water party with his slippers like that game, though. <laughs> and uh, that I just find concerning, boy, because, like, on the other hand, right? Like, ooh, this kind of song real Arsenal bias, the way, boy. I don't want to say it there, you know, because somebody gonna hear this and come for me. But like I generally think like you take him out and you replace him with with Saliba dog. They are still as good or better. I like Saliba composure in the game and the way that he could compete physically with, with Cesar Oxano. And this is somebody who is younger than him and still learning to use his body properly. You know? Right. Now that could also be why Diaz used to go to the ground so much, eh? Like he was still I think Cesar Oxano's learn how to use their body better when they reach like twenty five. If I don't mistake, Adias is now 26. He's all yeah. age. So, yes. like, yeah. We straight though. I know you actually hate him now. This is mostly to just stick at Virgil. Um, I don't hate any footballer, for the record. I don't. They just play as I prefer. And then I just don't like overrated things. Like, for example, right, dog? Everybody rating Son this season. I know the funny thing. Son is doing exactly what I've always said he was good at. Receive shift shooter. And he's also linking play pretty decent. Mm. All you realize that Ange, who everybody's falling over, started Son on the wing. And the second that he could get to put Son in strike, he moved him off the wing, put actual wingers on the wing, and put Son on top because Son is not a winger that is going to create dribble, drive, score, uh, drive, cross, create, whatever. You know? Right. He's yeah, shift, yeah. shoot, and score. That's all I was saying, money man. But like, I remember when men, you like, when Son scored at 20 goals for Spurs the other season, a man was comparing him to Prime Eden Hazard Dog. That was fretting my soul in it. Because. Well. Sorry. I'll, I'll no Tell me. I want to say that I find sometimes we take comparisons way out of context. Like, if you compare Son to Hazard, and you know the first thing somebody would say is like, nah, but Hazard is way more talented than Son. Them should not be on the same level. Da da da. Hazard is a better dribbler than Son. Hazard is better in big games and whatever. Son is a better finisher than Hazard. Son has always been a better goal scorer than Hazard. Nobody can yeah. see that though. Because Hazard yeah, yeah. is just, you know, the god of the Prem. You know what I mean? No, but I will agree so, that though. Yeah, because you have no choice. It, Son has proved it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah. it would never come up. All people will see is Hazard compared to Son and then like in tunnel vision. And how could you why, say that? What, that should never why, be. Rah, 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 rah. What I would say, though, only like, once has Son outscored Hazard best season, though. And that was the season he scored the 20. Okay. Like but Hazard, Hazard best has... season was almost an anomaly in terms of goal scoring as well, though. No, no, no. Goal scoring Hazard, that season mm-hmm. that he hit the 15-15 the, 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 the plus, that yeah. even wasn't even his highest goal scoring season. His highest goal scoring season was the season that he won the title under... Conte and he scored 18 that year. 
Either okay. that year was the 18, yeah, yeah, in Prime alone. Either that year was the 18 or it was the Mourinho year. One of the two years he had scored 18, though. And that was the most um, he ever scored in a season. And that was outside of the season where he went um, 16 and 15. Well, I'll take my L then because I, I, I didn't remember him scoring so much in a, in a single prime season. But would. But. Then I was wrong. How we reach here? Cause we say that comparing um son to to Hazard, oh, yeah. And... yeah, Hazard but is like, more talented, but like it's more, just a more, weird comparison. Right, like, two totally that... different players. Was to say though, like there are players are like I am, despite what people may think, I am very much able to like separate the fact that like I like I'm being real here. So like I just spoke footage about KDB like all the time, right? But like I could appreciate KDB for who he is and like. More than people realize, I respect KDB a lot though for how good he is and how he's perfected what he's elite at. And don't get mixed in it. At the end of the day, when it's all said and done, and he retired and he stopped using WD40, he is going to sit at the table with the best midfielders ever in the Premier League. Possibly yeah, top ever. three. Just, just Possibly ever. number one even. Like, there's a very real chance, right? But I can separate the fact that I can't watch him like this and know that on the other hand there are players that has achieved less but i appreciate their style of play more you know because like achievement has so much to do with like you know the team you're in and the right timing and all that now you know no in fact but, but then isn't isn't a lot of written players just opinion based too it's like you see something in a player that you like personally, so you rate him higher than a different player who might be equally as effective, but they do it in a different way that personally you wouldn't do it that way. So you have so, a hard time rating it. I don't see that as rating. I just see that as appreciation, though. Like, okay. like if I had to choose between the two, yeah, I might not have choose KDB. I would have, okay, like, being frank, Ozil and yeah, KDB yeah. is two very different type of attacking midfielders. I prefer Ozil's type. I generally prefer the one who would look for the million pass and compared to the one who would repeat the same thing over and over and also has the ability to score like crazy goals, you know? But I would prefer that one for style of play, even though right. he's achieved less because he played under a senile old Frenchman compared to the other one who's played under the greatest coach of all time. That making no Wait, sense? Bengal wasn't French. But sorry, anyway, that was yeah. Go ahead. No, he was. Yeah, he was. Bengal is French. He has a big yeah, ass yeah, German yeah. accent. He is Arsene Wenger. Yeah. Oh, that's a French. French. That's a German name. I don't know. He's French, for real? Oh, that's crazy. Yes, I didn't he is That's yeah, like a big reason as to why, like, um, Arsenal had a high. Well, you know, we only talk about one game so far, but Arsenal had like a high influx of French players during his time at the club. Like we we did. Dead ass had like a lot of French players. Like you talk about like Anelka, Henri, and go straight down the line, dog. Um yeah. like Saliba is grew up as an Arsenal fan because of the honor era and stuff like that. So we strain. City lost this weekend. No Rodri again. And Halon Virgil missing our bag of chances. But this is not something I'm gonna let you comment on. Patrick! We have mm-hmm. now seen like five games in a row where Haaland has not scored. And I am going to read out something for you all here. And I, I thought this was actually kind of amazing when I read it the first time. He hasn't scored five games in a row? No, no, no. 
five games where he's that's like um missing like fifteen chances a game. Oh, okay. Cause I was about to say five games in a row, Haaland didn't score. Let me let me read this out, right? Disregarding penalties, Erling Haaland hasn't scored a single Premier League goal that has changed the outcome of a game in 2023. His last was in the 1-1 draw to Everton on New Year's Eve. He is... Well, this person went on to call him a stat partner. I wasn't really going to go that far. But goals so far this season. The second versus Forest. The third at West Ham. The third and fourth versus Fulham. Um, the first at Sheffield... Which after he missed a pen, um, the first or second at Burnley, the second at Everton last season, the second versus West Ham last season, the first penalty at Fulham, the fourth versus Arsenal, and they went on and on to last season. Yeah, that he hasn't been scoring game changing, um, game state changing goals. And like, it's I've been on record that I've said that I don't necessarily think it's down to him that they won the Champions League, um. I have said it's, it was more down to the system change and Pep realizing that KDB is not a midfielder but really another striker and that kind of stuff. So, more to the point. Patrick, he hasn't really been impacting games, bro. What's your thoughts? That, that's where I have a problem. See that thing where you say he's not impacting games? Mm-hmm. I, I have a problem with that. If you want to say he's not scoring the important goal, then sure, the, the stats show that he isn't. But you can't say that a man like Erling Haaland is not impacting the game. He may not touch Expand. the ball. Expand. But, right, yeah. So, he may not touch the ball, but this is just a case of where your reputation precedes you, right? And he has one of the biggest reputations in the Prem right now for just being that guy, right? Mm-hmm. And the way that he is going to mentally destroy the opponent's defenders is something that we would never have a stat to, to be able to analyze something that we would never even understand because we could never be in their shoes. We could literally yeah. just use our experiences to assume what the Haaland effect is going to be like, right? But from what I've seen mm-hmm. and from what I think I understand, um, just having him on the field splitting defenders is always going to be an immense unspoken problem for the opposition. And that is what is going to help City create a whole lot of space for their other players as well. Um, just having Haaland between the two centre-backs, which is the position that he takes up most of the time. Just right there, between the centre-backs, just being himself. Probably farting and talking in, in in different languages and whatever. And being very weird, but just letting everybody know, I'm here. Don't forget I could score at any point. So, look out for me. And maybe don't look at what else going around, what else going on around you. But I think it's, it's, it's a... It's a big problem for, for opponents to, to face City, to have to double-team Haaland, but at the same time, you're getting death by a thousand cuts from the rest of these super technical players. Mm. I can't say that Haaland don't impact the games, but we could say that he hasn't scored opening goals in a while. Nice. Um, to be fair, they didn't just say opening goals. They said game state changing goals. Like, if it was to turn our lost our draw to go ahead in a draw or right. to win a game, that kind of thing. But yeah, well, completely knows. fair. Yeah, completely fair points. I, I agree with all those. Virgil, all your loss, mm-hmm. um, first time where you lost any prime for the season. Um, yeah. However, I am not going to go fully in on this banter. However, I, I will let you know it is stored. Um, I have an envelope here. 
inside here is is the banter. It is stored in here. And oh, after next week, Sunday will determine if I open it or not. If I um your mind, I want to come on the show. Um that being said, what was your thoughts on the game overall? Yeah, well, see what we're all going into this game. It's all a lot of factor, other factor that people forget. People forgetting this world team have a certain man. They have been playing good, eh? They have. They exactly. may not have been getting results, but Wolves have been playing good. They have, yeah, they have forget Wolves have, have a certain have a certain man called Pedro Neto who is a nuisance. Great. He is and great. That has always been that from going into the game. I, I mean, from just from the season, from the season Pedro had, I was like, I he was he is a player that I that I looking out for the season, and I hope that yes, he gets he get a numbers because you know it's time for him to, to take that take that step up. I hope it's not uh, hope it's not a team like Liverpool, but I feel like I feel like. Pedro Neto really is a nuisance. And going, I'm going, to, going to into that game. We're looking at um timings. We're looking at we're looking at um all factors involved. And this was the best time for for Wolves to play City because with with Rodri out and the uncertainty in the midfield. Because look at look at all look at all these these um unknown factors that that that, that end up playing a part into this. We had Nunes who who returned to returned to play against the former team. Who end up just breaking down because he couldn't handle because he couldn't handle the pressure and he had to be withdrawn withdrawn for you know our academy player Oscar Bob who 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 sometimes play on the wing but this time we had him playing midfield because the midfield presence was just lacking and you know that player like Rodri that was not there because don't get me wrong I will say I will not say that without Rodri we couldn't do anything and going forward is going to be such a big issue. But for a game like that, where you have a player like Neto and we have Cunha, we have um, we have um, Huangji, we have all, we have all, we have all them, all them um, these these annoying mm-hmm. players that could that could bombard the defense. A player like Rodri, like like Rodri, that could break a play and not only just break a play, but also in Vinobro or Rodri could shift the play, shift it out, shift it out wide, shift it out wide to get the play and contribute a lot into the attack. It was very difficult because from the moment Nunez was was withdrawn and you were left with Kovacic and you had to bring on Phillips now for now Phillips to now get into this whole flow is a terrible game for all for for new new players to, to be involved in a terrible terrible game that you know your midfield is still trying to figure out what to do and you know the, you know honestly and honestly they, they did well they did well holding down Haaland they did well keeping keeping um most of our attacking players quiet. And even introducing Jack Jack back into the game, this these are not the game. This is not the game you you want all that happen to happen in. But so. everything really just was not was not lining up for City, and I feel like the loss was kind of was kind of tough to take. It's just me, man. The way that they scored the winning goal is a big mix up in the in the box. You know, um, I can't. Janem was not playing was not playing the best the best football in defense. But those are one those are one of the games where you're looking at looking at from a world's perspective. I I suck a punch and they're able to take take three points. So it's gonna happen in the prem. So you really can't you really can't fight too much against it. And I How I, you I, feeling I don't, um, I don't, I don't promote being wolves so. How you feeling going in to the next game now? Yeah, going going to the next game I feel like it was just to get, get that out of the out of the way because you know, I feel like for the midfield even the same, the same midfield that we play against Wolves, I, I feel like that we that is the midfield that we should play. We should play against Arsenal to keep 
Så nå Calvin Phillips, forget he. Yeah, dog. Nah, boy. Also, Ooh. who's Bob? Oscar Bob, that that you think that that you think well, that's one of our Bob, one of our Calvin Phillips. Don't get me wrong, he's good. He's good, but he's not somebody you're willing to throw in at this stage. No, uh, but it is amazing, dog, that he bring on Bob before he like oh he played three men over playing Calvin Phillips, huh? Exactly, that is insane. Exactly. So, yeah, that's okay. Um, welcome to say, boy. In the preview to the game, um, in the pre-match press conference, uh, Pep was talking about Wolves and he was talking about the dangerous players that they had, and he was listing out. Um, he said Neto, he said somebody Cunha, and then he said the Korean guy. Well, this yeah. is, and then now said Korean guy, why he chance scores. And then went to the crowd. No, and he said, "No, you know who I am, dog. That is yeah. a I am him moment, dog." Yeah. And dog, this all is those my... things, all those things and stuff that that that, that were, from the script from just seeing that. Were, yeah, dog. Really, it written. If, it if, written. If it was on on city on city fans um on Twitter, you're seeing everybody saying, "All right, well, we know for a fact he scored again." So I scored again. That's the exact same thing where the video come out with Jack talking about Almoron. Who, 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 come on, who come on to us? Almoron. It's moments like that. Those are those moments where the little, the little, the little glitch in the matrix. I love the battle uh, within the um within the city squad though. Pep's yeah. interviews this season, like since Pep Wendy Trevor, his been interviews have been so funny. They have been fire. Anymore, you know. <laughs> no, I will never. Um, I will never get over when he laughed at United, dog. That was hilarious. And with that being said, it has provided the perfect segue for Manchester United lost 1-0 at home to Crystal Palace. Without checking the table, guys, who will it take have more losses? Chelsea or United? United. Chelsea. Chelsea. Chelsea have more losses? Chelsea are no, lower in the table. I think I think Chelsea been hitting a lot of draws though, a lot of nil nils, one ones. I truly know. United getting these losses, eh? It is United football losses, that's, dog. That's that's one that's the real real thing, you know. Now you Chelsea have plenty of draws, eh? Yeah, they are. So United lost one nil to Crystal Palace off our set piece side. Look, it's really not clicking for them at the moment in time. The attack and the midfield is just not um the actual this game wasn't um like outrageous like it, it didn't seem like there were much chances created i admit that i did not watch this game because obviously i watched good teams play and arsenal were playing at the same time and so rough i don't i like being real dog i didn't really care to watch a mid-table clash right yeah, but yeah, exactly we'll say that we, we no, Dog, this is insane. You can really watch the XG of every shot, dog. Dog, I like you clicking on United shots here. Not one of these shots. Okay, I see a header from a corner was XG of 0.23. That is the highest XG so far. And look, not to be one of them guys that like stats is everything, right? Because it's not. But like, this has been the problem plaguing United so far this season, right? They had an XG of 1.3. Right? With 19 shots. On average, let me say that is 20 shots, right? 20 shots across 1.3. That is an average of points. Somebody help me out there. What's 1.3 divided by 20? Eh. Divided by 20. 
That's an average of 0.065 per shot. Now, obviously, that's not how XG works, right? But that is what you're talking about United with their chances right now. Like, they don't create clear-cut chances for anybody. And, like, players like Rashford are taking blame, right? And my issue with that is, again, where we miss rate players. It's not that Rashford is a bad player by any means. However, people saw last season, and I said it was unsustainable, and nobody wanted to listen to me, that Rashford was going on this run where he would constantly either score a screamer or dribble through two, three men and score. But and as amazing as those things are, those are the things that gets, up us, gets us off our seats and excites us and stuff like that. That is all great for moments in games and for memories. But it is a sustainably attacking games week in, week out on our league, bro. Yeah, that can't be it. Crystal Palace get a goal off of our set piece. I just sat back, allowed United a bunch of low chances, low expected chances. I went on to win the game 1-0. Um, what's all your thoughts on that game? Yeah, and, and obviously the whole the whole con- continue to what, what you're saying with, with um with United. There's one thing. One thing I feel like with United, it just seemed like this big experiment that 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 um Tanag is trying to do with the attack, and it feels like. The only people that feel that have confidence with what United, with the direction United go with the attack, and feel like United attack is some trust, is is United fans. Everybody else look at look at it like, Dan, this is just uh, this is just the players all they have, all they all they show them in the lineup. There's no there's no fear factor because before before we, we saw with Rashford play in the middle, we understand how much that impacts the team. But Rashford out wide. Still, as you mentioned, with, 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 with the type of chances, United well, United had um what nineteen shots, four on target. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if we if we just want to keep it simple and, and just and just look look at that, we could even we could even look at look at um four on like, target, isn't it? Like four. Mm-hmm. and like you know what's the thing like United and don't get me wrong, I have sympathy for Ten Hag in mm-hmm. all the eras that he has cluster injuries in. So, like, you see, like, one position where, like, his first choice, second choice, and even emergency choice are all mm-hmm. injured. Yeah. yeah. That I have sympathy for. So, like, you see, like, that he had um, Regulon, um, Shaw, and Malasia all out injured. Yeah. That I have sympathy for. However, at the same time, he just had to learn to deal with those things. And they get back Hammerbat, Hoylon is fifth. Uh, Mount starting games. Who else they signed this summer? Cause I feel like they had signed somebody else, and he's starting too. Uh, I know Hoyland. Oh Nana, right? Yes. Yeah. So you have Nana, Hoyland, Amrabat, and Mount all starting games. You have Bruno. You have Rashford. It's just Licha out and the left back out at this point. What more do you want at this point? Like how much more excuses are we going to afford that we're gonna blame? The board because that's United fans' favorite tagline to blame the board, and I will maintain for like the billion time. Yes, there is blame to place there, but at some point your manager is getting the players that he wants. When are we going to start to actually attribute blame to the players and to the manager for the fact that we are now four games of the season and y'all have seen more losses than y'all have seen goals scored? Exactly, exactly that. And and looking at the opposition too. You can't be cast it on here and no one say this is like Crystal Palace or, what, or two seasons ago or, or the tree when their defense was real stubborn or whatever. 
yeah, we understand. You know, we know the manager they have is a very is a very um good manager when it comes to setting up his defense and everything. But to have mm-hmm. all those all those shots against this very average because um, Newcastle because um not Newcastle because Crystal Palace is really they yeah. really they really is the, the the definition of average in this league. Yeah, they're not they're not terrible. They're not good. They're not bad. As they are side. Yeah, and mm-hmm. as they are side for for United to go up against them. The game finished one nil. We not we not talking about no no goal no goal first on United and United end up losing. You all could manage just get to get one goal out of all these all those chances you all create with those players that all is so so hype up about adding to the attack and to this whole big creativity. Come on, like like realistically at this point it seems that yeah, I feel like whatever excuse Tenaga United fans could say it really is not enough. Yeah. Patrick, thoughts? Nah, I, I honestly agree with, with, with both of y'all, I guess. Um, I, and I, I don't even know how to start fixing United's attacking issues. I, I don't think it's down to lack of finishing. I, I, I think they're just having a hard time creating chances. At this point, if they, they're so uncreative that if you commit to sitting back against them, you will get through. It's basically mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Unless Bruno score like from twenty five yards out, yeah, I don't know I, how much times he could really do that. And that's my point. Like, like again, people hate to watch ex- like people hate underlying metrics when it doesn't fall in line with their team, right? And I fully agree that there's a point at which we might be heading to no return with somebody's underlying metrics, right? There are some things that are really unnecessary. However, just contextualize things like. If you are averaging creating shots that are 0.1 and XG per game, right? That's 0.1 and XG means that in every 100 attempts, 10 times a shot scores. So that means that you need that player to attempt that shot at least 1 in 10 times for them to score. That is unsustainable. And that is where we have reached with United, unfortunately. And people are going to watch it and say that it's heat, it's criticism, blame the board, whatever. Listen, as much as I have a lot of gripes with the man, and most of it is personal because I'm a fan of the club, Arsene Wenger dealt with a terrible board for years and kept Arsenal in top four. Jürgen Klopp doesn't have a great board behind him. I keeps them competitive and fighting for every trophy on the board and has them looking like they could be the champions the next year, maybe even higher, if they defy my expectations at the very least, right? That it comes with the job. Not everybody has a Todd Bowley who buys everything for you. And as we can see, that doesn't necessarily work out on the field or have the sheiks behind it that Man City have. Or even before that, when Chelsea had um, Roman Abramovich, who honestly might have been the greatest owner of all time because he saw Chelsea as like, his passion project because he, he really didn't invest into them not just like time not just money but like time and and energy and effort and stuff like that. so that's just part of it and it again ten half to this point has gotten his players he has gotten the right winger he wanted he got the left back he wanted he got the center back he wanted the striker the keeper he's now signed three midfielders he has signed a striker in january the only position he didn't sign somebody was right back and left wing. And that was positions that according to United fans were very much well off of it. So then now, he has to provide results. 
and they can't always be looking to the transfer window. Like, yeah. at what point do we say that you are responsible for what you put on the field? At what point do we say, I like, I like people will say things like he has to use players that he wanted sold, bro. I was told last year that it did not matter when I was in a title race and I was starting a center back who can't even get on the pitch for Crystal Palace self though. That is how bad that man is. Like that just comes with the territory. And again, I am saying this that like unless you are sub- you are Chelsea or you are City, you don't overturn your whole squad in like two years. It does just, like I'm not even saying that from an envy or train shade point of view. It's just the fact of the reality of the environment we are in. Liverpool still had what was that man name earlier? Um, Nat Phillips was his name, the centre back. Yeah. He was still yeah. there last season. He started a Premier League game for them last season. It comes with the territory. Stop complaining. Stop um finding excuses. That is just the reality of it. And we are now, he took over last year, July or June, because he had the whole of preseason last year. We are in October now. He still has now won a game away from home. I guess he top nine last season or top 10, whatever it is. And he is expected to take them forward. And he is buying players that as far as we could see, even with our limited understanding, doesn't seem to fit the style of play we are being told that he's building towards. And now it definitely does seem like they are stuck in between two different things. Whether it be sitting back, playing on the counter, which is perfectly fine, or playing front-footed, pressing, high-attacking, high-octane football, which is also fine. But then now, you're buying players, renewing players' contracts who all seem to be stuck between these two ideologies. Who does that fall on? Yeah. I think falling out with Sancho is a problem too because I felt like Sancho could uh, make something happen in, in the current um in the current mm-hmm. system. Especially mm-hmm. given how much they're just struggling to make chances. Sancho could have probably work. I mean, I'm not really a big fan of Anthony to be honest, so I guess it's anything to just get him out. Mm-hmm. But somebody had to create chances and mm-hmm. Bruno can't be the only one. Rashford is not very good at creating chances. Hoyland, I think, was the wrong profile signing for this thing, too. Actually, mm-hmm. it's too early to tell, to be honest. But mm. the way teams sitting back against United, that's not really Hoyland game. So Yeah. And you know what you think, too? Eh? We're going from them not just winning, lack of wins away from home. Eh? They are being dominated at home now. Brighton beat them. Crystal Palace did not dominate them. But they managed to do enough. That one goal, one goal mm-hmm. for the Manchester United Old Trafford was enough to see them with a win. Um, Wolves dominate them. Unlucky not to have gotten a win. And that has been a Nottingham Forest due to a sketchy penalty and a red card lost a tunnel lead at, at Old Trafford. That is where United yeah. reaching it. And tell me, mm-hmm. be it completely honest, tell me if we did not have the badges, or didn't have the sponsors, or didn't have the crest and whatever, and if we had put them in a playing kit, what's the difference between them now and any other mid-table team we'd have in this league? Well, right Ooh. now they are playing like a mid-table team and, and they are at the middle of the table. So, I mean, yeah. But um, I think I think it's a, it's, a, it's a big case of like Ten Hag signings that really match the system as well. When when they mm-hmm. brought um, Hoyland and I said that, yeah, Really good signing, whatever looks looks really good. I honestly thought they was gonna continue playing counter attacking football because 
that's what would that make sense if you can sign someone like like Hoyland. But mm-hmm. now they're trying to dominate the ball. And he seems to be struggling a little bit. I even I feel like he don't even know where to be. Like Yes, I literally was about to, to say that though. Yeah. Yeah. So, so and then my my thing is if he was gone play possession ball, right? Why didn't just make a move for Tony? Like, do people not rate mm. him or something? I, I don't really understand. Why not just, you know, get him, Vincent. struggle a little bit for like four months, but then come January, you're looking at a very strong finish to the season with him. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I don't know, dog. Honestly, I don't know. Uh, now they have to host Galatasaray at home in the midweek in the Champions League, who have had a good start to the season, mind you. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that goes. That That might be a game to watch. I am hoping that game is not on the same time that the um, Arsenal Lens game is on. And again, beautiful segue. Arsenal beat Bournemouth 4 unless we get. And I'll be honest, I have had some gripes with my coach this week. Everybody knows I'm a very big advocate of him and his journey. And I think journey is the right word. Like I, I always say that I am going to have to experience the growing pains of him as he grows into becoming one of the best coaches in the world. Because that's what I believe that he's capable of. And I think that he's getting there, slowly. And there are things that I don't understand, and there are things that I don't need to understand. I, I hold no say or feel any outcome of anything that happens with Arsenal. It's all on him. But I remember going into the derby um, before we took us born. What was pretty straightforward. And there may be like some little things to talk about it, but like more from the derby was that I really did not like that we started Eddie and Jesus and we put Jesus out wide, um, even with the injuries, because I thought that sent the wrong message to the squad. Because why are you resigning Reesnells into our contract then if after your first choice and your second choice left he can't even get to play? Mm-hmm. I think that's the wrong message, especially after he's proven. And to me, every time he touches the field genuinely, he feels like he's capable of doing something. So then, when does he really start? However, um, after the Baltimore game, he did say that him and Smith Rowe aren't up to match fitness yet. Because both of them did miss preseason, so it, it could be part of that as well. But I thought, I thought against Tottenham, the first 35 minutes, we were great, honestly. I thought we were really, really good. And we just didn't play with you food too much. And then the too much injuries came together in the second half. And one individual bozo moment put us in a position where we didn't even have a chance to like put our foot back on the ball and then now apply pressure when we had them wounded. We just give them a respite to be back in the one time with the Jorginho era. However, this weekend and midweek, that was not the case. Um, and you would think that with so many conversations around Arsenal that we weren't undefeated, that we weren't on one of the best starts I could ever ask for for the season, even though I really, really have a pivot drawing against Tottenham. But it's good. Kai Havers got off the mark this weekend. Um, Odegaard took over um, the, the second penalty, which turned out to be the third goal. And I think they was going to give Jesus it, actually, so that Jesus would get a chance to score. Nobody, like people who play FPL, I think nobody ever asks me who's Arsenal pen taker. I, I, I don't have an answer for that. I feel it's everybody at this point. 
So I think Jesus was actually going to take the third one. Well, the, sorry, the third goal, what would have been the third goal, the second pen. And Odegaard walked over to him and said, you know, let me give Howard to let him get off the mark. Awesome. And so awesome. he did. Friendly boy, oh God. And you lost this weekend. Let's talk take. I, I focus on my points, you know. Let's talk Yeah, Halai. Yeah, I really wanted the points. Like, dog, on another day, this is a soccer hat trick we said, okay, talk about it. But, yeah. dog, soccer have more hat tricks for England and he have for Arsenal, bro. That is. <sighs> yeah, boy. But yeah, it was a comfortable day. It was pretty good. Um, I don't have much to say. This was really straightforward. And now everything looks towards City next week. And look, I will say this, right? I do think that in terms of football and wise, I do think that we are very close to City. I think that they are players that I think are on par at which City are performing. Um, it's just a case of City how mentally proven to be levels ahead of us. Now, this season, I think we've shown a certain cerebralness that City have shown a lot under Pep in terms of making games boring, not making it entertaining for the neutral, just strictly business and getting things done. And so, I think that this weekend coming here against City is an opportunity for us to show, okay, how far have we really come to this point? How much have we learned from losing the title to them last season? And not to necessarily win, and that means that we are tied for real. Even in God's name, when we win next weekend, I will still say it is City's title because it's Pep. He is the greatest marathon runner that this world has ever seen in terms of a manager. And he will still find a way to win. But in terms of us as a team progressing, and then hopefully now, going on next year, as in 2024, into the Champions League knockouts, and what can we do there? This is a good time for us to lay a marker of where we stand amongst what would be your obsolete. So, Patrick, any thoughts, bro? Mm-hmm. I know you didn't watch this game. In fact, uh, why not tell everybody what, well, for us it's 10 o'clock, guys. What 10 o'clock game did you watch Saturday morning? Live. Which one you watch I live? Watched... Which one did I watch live? Wait. Oh, that's such a good question. At... Newcastle. I watch Newcastle live. Oh, oh you're watching Newcastle live? That's what the answer what you give, bro. You can give the answer oh. what you give. I don't know which one you want to do. The, the, the Luton game. Oh, I didn't watch that one live. I watched that after. Yeah, okay, yeah. Luton versus Everton. I watched that live. And we could clip that up. I did watch okay, that. You... In, in terms of... So I watched I watched four games fully, right, yesterday. It was mm. Luton versus Everton, um Newcastle versus whoever they play against. Uh I watched West Ham game, I watched Liverpool versus those guys. Mm. And everybody else mm. was just highlights. Cause I've seen enough of Arsenal and have nothing to Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's enough for United. Yeah. Yeah, that's I, I, yeah, I I definitely I wanted to watch the, the teams that I didn't get to see yet. I didn't even get to watch the Villa game because I didn't want to wake up so early. So I was like, okay. And um, I didn't get to watch the highlights yet either. But I've seen almost all Villa games for the season so far. So I was like, nothing new there. And Patrick literally was telling me the night before that um, that Watkins points explosion was coming. 
Yes, boy, I went and watched his stats and whatever, though he was, he was like way under where he was supposed to be, like in terms of expected yeah. data. He was the mm-hmm. expected, so he should be here, and he was like here chilling with one goal. Mm-hmm. And me and John debated for a little bit, but in the end, I didn't really want him in my field <sighs> because he was expensive. <laughs> so I was like, Whatever. yeah. It is you what it to is. pay for these days, though, so. Yeah. For real. But yeah, the yeah. Arsenal game, Patsy, have anything to add on it or? Bournemouth, Arsenal Bournemouth or what I think yeah. happen when you are playing against City. I don't want to hear that one because there's a very I there's a reality we lose and I don't need that negativity in my life right now. Well, I wasn't gonna Let's, say that. I wasn't gonna say anything at that point because I can live with that. Then. Please, with, please, please, please yeah. feel free to proceed. Then. <laughs> there's two teams going in with like you know a couple injuries and whatever, and City off the back of a loss versus Arsenal off the back of a a four nil win. Um. I don't, I don't really think there's a key favorite here, plus Arsenal at home. So, you know, that, that goes a lot to say that, like, it basically is kind of in Arsenal's hands and are saying that it could go either way. Because Arsenal mm-hmm. at home, City going in without Rodri, City just lost, Arsenal went 4 0, Arsenal looking good. But I mean, City looking good too, though, eh? But mm-hmm. anyway, I think it's in, it in anybody's hands right now. If, if it finished 1 1, I wouldn't be surprised. I do think it's going to have plenty of goals in it, though. So I'll say that. I will kill for one 0 win where Kai Havertz just he scored the only goal. And it's even just the tower for the for the I'm not no, I'm not seeing what realistic I see what I would kill <laughs> yeah, yeah. for. Okay, I will yeah, kill yeah. to see Virgil's sour face take, that Kai Havertz scored. I will take anybody <laughs> scoring but Kai Havertz. I love <laughs> tell you. I will go and find all your lucky. I too, definitely. I was about to sing Kai Havis Chandog. I have been singing that since yesterday to the tune of Shakira's Waka Waka Dog. If he scored X3 Virgil, the introduction to this podcast, I am not going to play the intro. I am going to get a crowd version of the Kai Havis chant and play that dog. Okay, cool. So that's pretty started. Newcastle also win this weekend. They have scored 10 goals in the last two games. Uh, who said Newcastle can't attack guys? And I just going on, just drop this here because we are now on game week seven. You know, these are what the football play. Um, upcoming for you guys though is that um, over the international break, we're gonna do two different pods. One is that we're gonna do extreme takes, a pod on extreme takes. So, like, in that, you're allowed to revisit some of your early season predictions. As well as, on the very little information we've had so far in eight games in, you can make some extreme things on how you feel the season going to end. But, so, as the table starts right now, Manchester City, after they lost this weekend, are on 18 points. Both Arsenal and Spurs are on 17 with goal difference, both being nine. Uh, just Spurs have scored two more goals than Arsenal. Um... Bro, as much as like we haven't scored that much, eh, I genuinely have loved how great we've been defensively. Like we just do allow mm-hmm. much chances. Like I, I'm not yeah. saying that other prickles against City in City they'll get chances, but like in a general sense, it has been so good to watch, bro. And like in terms of, you know, you play football parts to a, a higher level, and a lot of people are listening to these pods, right? And like you wouldn't understand like how much relationships on the pitch mean for one another. And like yeah. how important it are for like the full back and winger to have like a good understanding of one another, center backs have a good understanding. And like honestly, but I think we really have been blessed to have Gabriel and Saliba as a center back partnership. After that mm-hmm. is Liverpool in fourth. Then we have a team that both of you were pretty high on, 
is Aston Villa in fifth with five wins, two losses. Can I say, though, every single Villa game that I have seen or watched highlights of have all seemed extraordinarily kamikaze, dog. And except for probably the Everton game. That was the only one that I feel like they was in control of. Dog, Everton do the most Everton thing. They win last week. Win midweek and then lost to Luton. But Luton, your dream is a live run. I believe in y'all. We are staying up. After Aston Villa is Brighton. Then we have West Ham, who a lot of us, including myself, had going now. Then we have Newcastle. Then Crystal Palace leaked from United this weekend after they won. And then United in 10. And then we have Chelsea playing tomorrow. If Chelsea, by some reason, remember to score goals, they will go up to 8 points and they will be joint 11. So cool. Going around Europe now, because I can't really be bothered to do any Champions League predictions, is that Leipzig drew 2 all with Bayern Munich this week. And they went 2-0 up. Openda had a goal and assist in this game. He started to life in Germany extremely well. Like, they have been playing good. And this is why they were my, like, dark horse shout for um the Champions League. Like, mm-hmm. I like that's our next thing too for City, yeah, going into this week. Like, they have to go to Germany to play Leipzig, which is a hard game in itself, and then have to play us, though. But I'm going to slap Leipzig, though. Don't be so rude. We can they are going to like give Leipzig. them a, a little chance, bro. But the There's more no important chance. thing about that draw has nothing to do with Bayern. Have nothing to do with Leipzig, but everything to do with the fact that now Bayer Leverkusen are the only team at the top of the table in the Bundesliga after their 3 0 win yesterday. Yep. That I is the most Who's that? Grimaldo, Grimaldo. Bro. Grimaldo come and change the game for them. Dog, honestly, their recruitment has been on point. They have yeah, been yeah. great. They are on 16 points. And um, actually, the second place team is not even Bayern. is is Stuttgart. And then it's Bayern, who are level on points with Dortmund, who we have said on this part of million and have started the season like some idiots. That's the best I could say. That's the most like PC way I could say. But Stuttgart have a real good start this season. And who's also another surprise team that's had a good start this season is... Girona, who is part of the Man City group. Virgil, I know you're pretty high on them, but they lost this weekend, bro. Terry Madrid, to Jude. They lost to Jude. Yeah. yeah. Hey, but on, but honestly, from, from that, just from that game, that game is a, it's a big big difference between, you know, obviously, you know, the um how, how, how I want to describe the describe Girona. Girona really went into the game with, with the with the hype and every, with the hype from um from the, the West before, but the experience of Liverpool just they just shine. It just shine because it was all Girona in, in the early parts of the game. Don't get me wrong, Girona should, should take should have some early chances where they could have take it. But just having Jude there and that ball from Jude for that first goal for to Hustle, That was amazing. I don't like I don't understand how how one, I don't understand how you would see that pass and how Oslo being behind the fence was still able to know, okay, I could get to that ball. But still, you know, at the end of the day, you know, a lot of, and after that, you know, the big stature of, of, of Real Madrid would, would, be, would be enough to crumble any team. And really, 
uh, yeah, and then really, honestly, it's it really ran out. We we trained up, trained out. So kind of kind of was expected after the first goal, but you know, yeah, yeah, to give credit to Remington. Yeah, um, Friday actually had a game as well for La Liga, and it was at Barcelona played Sevilla. Who? No, we're not playing them this week. We playing them after the international break. Um, but Barcelona won now. True. I said Ramos go, which is so funny. You know, you know Ramos, Real Madrid history, Barcelona. It was mm-hmm. so fitting that I was who did it. And yeah, you know, Barca, you know, talking along. Who are they playing Champions League this week? Patrick. I mean, all well, the whole group kind of easy now. Is it like Porto? Is it I league? think Porto. Oh, that is probably the hardest game in the group. That's the hardest game. Porto yeah. and Portugal. Oh I yeah. Mean, what you call it? Like, and that Sevilla game wasn't easy though. Mm-hmm. Like Sevilla do well, well, and I thought I thought we were gonna mash up Sevilla because normally we kind of do, but um, nah, tough, tough game. Um, and I glad Ramos was there when we needed him most. Um, as we are recorded, Atletico Madrid actually lose a one 0 to Cadiz. Um, so okay. that's a thing. Moving on now, going on to the Syria, and why is this not loading? Okay, yeah. Um. AC won this weekend as well as Inter. Both are on 18 points. There's somebody who subbed on for Inter Milan this weekend, guys. He subbed on in the 55th minute. At the time, the score was 0-0. At the end of the Inter game, it finished 4-0. Yeah. Lothar Martinez scored right? all four. I want to know where all our energy was in the World Cup. Like that's no. actually what that, I think that's the main question that we had to ask ourselves. Where was no. that come the World Cup when he was trying his best so that Messi could not lift up no trophy? He literally tried his best though. We played ten v twelve in many games we played. Mm. Where he on score goals, missed easy chances, and then talking in the interview after talking about yeah, well I'm not up to full fitness, you know. What are we gonna do, fellas? Um, in, Mo- in, in half an hour, this one could score. AC Milan won 2 0, and Pulisic continued his great start to the season for them. Hopefully, they can charge for the City Champions League because, again, um, they have Dortmund this week. I think so. I don't think they had a PSG this week. Virgil, I don't know if you can help me out there. Hey, boy, I have a fun fact. I was supposed to say this when we were talking about Germany, boy. Dog, all you know, the the, 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 um, the, the hat trick, Kane score. Last week, it was the hat trick. Yeah, that is so strange, oh, right? That's yeah. that so dumb, though. Like, that is yeah. like, so discredited. Yeah. Me, man. Uh, the, why the do I explain to everybody? Why is not penalties? The Bundesliga don't count penalties and hat trick. Really? So, if, what? if one of goes is a pen, that yeah. is not why I saw, what you saw? I saw that the reason it wasn't a hat trick is because he had to score the goals consecutively. Like, because Sane scored in between his goals is why oh. it wasn't a hat-trick. The one I saw was for penalties. They say they don't count penalties and hat-tricks. Either way, it's dumb. It's so That's dumb. That's weird, yes. What going on with Germany, boy? That always yeah. had to be different, boy. Right, true. Either reasoning doesn't make, doesn't make sense. It's like... It doesn't. He scored three goals. He scored three goals, but it's not a hat-trick. Um, but yeah, so... AC, hopefully AC can carry this form into the Champions League. Uh, they only, they have to go to Dortmund. And the thing is, it's like, yeah. I want AC to come with this group. I've said that a million times. I think they have a very fair chance to, 
but given the fact, even more so, sorry, they, I think they always needed to, but given the fact that they drew to Newcastle at home, even more so now they need to get a win after that week, bro. Mm-hmm. I thought one, Dortmund might actually be. I mean, it's a group of that dog. Nobody easy to go to. But of all the girls yeah. to go to, they might be the easiest. Give a Dortmund. But Dortmund in form. Tennessee took, um, yeah, but it's Dortmund, dog. Dortmund form does never ever feel real to me because they'll say Dortmund is form and then they'll play somebody semi serious. And before you know it, they're scoring own goals for fun. Mm-hmm. Nah, but, but I think. But the other factor too for Dortmund is memory the atmosphere as well. And even for Dortmund. Yeah, yeah, correct. Even Very if, correct. Even if we look, we look at it from a case of. Who might who might win or lose? It, it even might come might come out to be a, a, a similar result for Milan against Newcastle and they'll draw. And even for that, that'll just frustrate Milan more. More, I suppose I would frustrate Dortmund. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not not uh, to not to disrespect Virgil here, but I think um that'll be a great game for, for Dortmund to actually start full crew and just watch him bully Tomori dog. No, that's actually and I think honestly going into the game, like I would not sit down here and say Milan is favorite because I know for a fact Milan this type of team that no, Milan is a type of team in moments like that they will decide to play the most jokiest football and they'll play so good during, during, against teams where you feel like it's easy for them to win mm-hmm. but going into this it, it all depends on, on that lineup and as I mentioned too with their He's lineup that, whatever, and I think whatever lineup Milan decide to, decide to put out just those stars. You have you have to you have to try and see if you can outscore outscore um outscore Dortmund really. And yeah. I I know you say I read I really feel in that case of playing of Dortmund playing home, and the type of players that they play even and you know you can't one of my favorite players to watch is Adeyemi. Mm-hmm. That man give him a chance and him just run run that. Yeah, that's that our problem. Anyway, Milan Milan that gonna be tough for Milan to deal up with. I'm I'll be mm-hmm. really sure. Um, on another note, especially if Fulku start because I think Tomori would back himself against people like Adeyemi and yeah. and Malin because Tomori asset is his pace now where he could deal with fast players, but is he strength? Yeah. That six foot four, big white German boy, I think that is a bigger problem than than Adeyemi might be for for Tomori. Yeah, that's true for sure. Valid. Uh, moving on. Napoli won this weekend, right? And they have won the last two games. However, there has been a lot of controversy surrounding Napoli recently. So, um, you know, some clubs have TikTok accounts and they could get a little out of hand. I see that, to. dog. <laughs> Napoli kind of have been mocking and they've also bordered on some racist stuff in what their TikToks have been made. So, this has been Napoli's statement. Calcio Napoli wishes to avoid any exploitation of the issue. Point out... Uh, point out that we never wanted to offend or mock Victor Osiman, who's a treasure at the club. As a proof of that, during this summer training retreat, the club firmly rebuffed every offer that was received for the strikers transfer abroad. I kind of like that line to me is terrible, but yeah, they social media in particular. Necessary. Yeah, it's like if, be grateful we didn't sell you, like yeah, basically. What? Um, Social media, in particular TikTok, has always used an expressive form of language with a light-hearted creativity without wanting to as in this case with O.C. Men as the protagonist, have any intent of insult or disdiction. In any case, okay. if Victor's perce- perceived any offense towards him, this was not the intent. Right? O.C. Men, after that now, uh, released a statement saying, 
coming to the city of Naples in 2020 was a wonderful decision to me. The people of Napoli have shown me so much love and kindness, and I will not allow anyone to come between us. The passion of the people of Naples fuels my fire to always play with my heart and my soul, and the love for the badge is unwavering as I wear it with pride. The accusations against the people of Naples are untrue. I have a lot of friends that are Napolitans and have become part of my family and everyday life. I appreciate Nigerians and everyone for leading their voice to support and reach out to me. I am forever grateful. Let's support unity, respect, and understanding. Forza Napoli. Now, everything there sounds like it's all made up, right? However, during the week, Osima went and deleted every Instagram picture he had on Napoli, right? Like, there was a part of me that, like, felt then and still kind of feels like the very reality is Napoli didn't start the season well, right? They didn't start it in mm-hmm. the manner that they would have expected given that they were reigning champions and would hopefully even try to push on. You know, they lost Kim, they lost somebody else, and they kind of might have feel like a few steps backwards. Cavascalia also hasn't had the devastating effects on games that he's been having last season. And part of me kind of feel like he was using this. Not that it, is, it wasn't wrong what he did. It is 100% wrong. But they've always treaded on that line of inappropriate humor on TikTok. These, these, especially these Italian TikTok accounts. Though right. that doesn't even include it, like Zenit and thing, right? Part of me feel like he kind of was using it as an excuse to try and get out of the club. Because there was talk of legal action and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it is wrong what they did, but hopefully they can get past them because Dog Napoli is still a very good team. They play mm-hmm. Real Madrid in the midweek, and that's one of the games that I am looking forward to. So, hopefully they can get all past this some now, play it off till the summer, cut his price down, and then Papi is time for you to come to London because oh, Victor Osimhen fourteen. At Arsenal will look great. Mm. Moving on. Imagine Osimhen in front of Kuku though. I don't understand. I just, I, I just like, 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 you know, we don't know. Bully already have money put aside for Osimhen. So Why? The moment yeah, that man, the moment on like the Napoli thing, oh god. Oh, the Napoli. Yeah. Uh, but you know, they were, they were Napoli situation for 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 what you said there. Issue because I feel like I like I honestly I real I was not too invested into both sides because for me I really focus on my on, on my team. But look but looking at it, but and seeing clips that, that came out from from you know what was posted and how Osman was his his body language and behavior around the club, it seems that you know it's something that really that really both parties can really sit down and honestly resolve so simple. But it seems mm-hmm. that it seems that that the part that I can't necessarily just start one say the, the club the club looking at it from a, from a way of like oh gosh like why why are men making a big scene about it? But it really honestly does seem like Austin Man is really trying to milk something out of it, whether it be whether it be some you know financial benefits or what some other benefits or whatever, or as you mentioned rightly, so I'm trying to get a move a move when the time comes. But it really feels like Osman is milking it because I feel like if everything he said in that statement he said is true, he could sit down the club, they could talk talk it over. Obviously, those things could happen. The high the high ups in the club could resolve that easy with with the with the marketing team and those being social media. 
and we could move on from that very very simple but I really, I really feel so. I really feel it might be a little frustration on us, on us in this part, and really feel that you know, I let me if I if I do get this move out, the fans won't turn on me and make it seem that I really trying to force my way out. I just it might feel like I just not feeling respected at the club. Mm-hmm. Cool. I mean, the way I watching this thing, I don't think he can go to London, cause. I think Barca still have like three, four more levers they could pull. <laughs> you know, I guess, I mean. And he should already be out of small wages. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was that was actually good. That was good. Um, do y'all know that uh, Monaco are top of Liga? Yeah, I don't know. That's insane. Like, how? 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 Like can't be relegation zone. Nah, they're not here. They sell the wrong though. one. Or they should have sell in Ketia and keep Balogun. Bro, I am undefeated. I couldn't really care about who it is. Although... Say no more. I'll check it back by next week. Balogun <laughs> scored yesterday. He did score. Yeah. Dog. Nah, I mean, dog, I don't want to catch your score next week. I mean, I mean, yes, I will take him scoring next week. I really want him play. And this is really ever yeah. want. Who does want their plan be strikers to play? I, I think that's something he's very wrong with that. But nah, but all your then, plan B is always gonna really end up being a plan yeah, at some point because Jesus just you know. Hence, Victor. Next summer, he on for two. That's our next uh, okay. big knee problem yeah. just waiting to happen. Yeah, well, all t- dog, hear this, right? We all thought Haaland was injury prone till he comes to team. You Man, see how them just have Jesus playing? Tak, 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 tak. Them can't want us to do the same thing. His knee can't give out. Dog, this is why we're going to rotate the two. That's why he should come to Barcelona because Lewa already don't do nothing. So he can come on <laughs> 15. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Hey, all your last night, oh, we was playing pros, right? And Patrick played on top. And he missed an easy chance. And I was like, hard luck level. He was like, don't have a call, but I should talk to him again. <laughs> <laughs> He's so overrated, dog. No. He's so overrated. Monaco are really top of the league, by the way. I wasn't just talking shit. It's yeah, them, yeah, then yeah. Brest, then Reims, then Nice, and oh, then PSG like with their Three wins this season. Three wins in the league, eh? That yeah. is insane behavior that they drew nil yesterday with Clermont foot. Like, yeah, because the way I'm watching it, they might not even come out the group in Champions League. And I think that's a real thing that could actually happen. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I honestly think they're going to struggle more than they think against Newcastle. They may not yeah, need to play yeah. against. Oh, they're going to struggle. <laughs> Valid. Okay, guys, I don't want this to go too long. So, Champions League. Oh, I didn't say this with the Arsenal game, but I have felt for a while that like Harvard has actually been playing decent. It's just like oh he come for that money and like you know you expect him to do more, right? And like part of this because like we saw Jaka scoring goals and thing last season, right? But um when you actually look at their, their metrics, like obviously Harvard was a smaller sample size, right? But like Harbour's metrics this season compared to Jackers of last season, he's outperforming him in almost all, as well as we are controlling games more. And part of it is that Harbour's is better athletically, he is bigger, we are winning more dues, we are contesting games more, we are occupying better spaces. It's just the goals in common fit. 
what it will come. And you know what it's going to come next week where we play Manchester City. Thank you guys so much for being here with us. We love you all. We will do our giveaway very soon. I just kind of need to put things in place because part of it too is that every single year we used to increase the amount of giveaway winners. Yeah, at some point, guys, I, I just can't sustain that. That is just too much. But we'll give away a few kids. That is no problem. And so, yeah, love you guys. Thank you guys for coming on as well. And we'll catch you guys next time. See you soon. Take it easy. Later.